<laughs> what are you what i was gonna try and i was gonna burp into the mic but i restrained myself why uh, i can if we're gonna pretend this is classy no it's not this classy is a classy endeavor. heavens heavens no i think everyone knows what this is by now i can read you can read we can read we're reading together i married you you married me we got married yeah we married each other now we're reading books talking in mics discussing stuff with one another we're a a couple's book club hey guys welcome to couples book club i'm lauren because yeah. <laughs> isaac yeah. oh man pumped we're married and it's we pumped with a t yep it's like it's british yep pumped <laughs> like learnt yep exactly uh we're married and we read the same book and now we're gonna talk about it and roughly the same timeline yeah within the same like six week period since since the last time we recorded yeah it's okay. been a while i don't need my headphones on for this take them off it's working ear cans Fuck them. Off to a rousing good start here. We're all hopped up on energy drinks. Hopped up on life. Some of us are less hopped up than others. Isaac drinks energy drinks and he gets silly. I drink energy Turned. drinks and I'm like... You just like get back to normal? Like I'm vaguely functional. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, I need... I need 240 milligrams well, of uh, caffeine. Stat. There's, st there's still one more in there that I'm planning on hitting at some point. So Tonight? Yeah. I don't have to be anywhere tomorrow. Wow. Tomorrow off, bro. It's life, in the life in the fast lane. I've created a monster. Did I ever tell you the backstory to that song? Did I ever tell you that? What song? Life in the fast lane, that Eagles song. No. I think it was in that... that uh, History of the Eagles documentary or whatever that's on Netflix still, which is like one of the best things I've ever seen because it's like unintentionally just hilarious. Okay. But anyway, uh, the story as Don Henley tells it, as I recall, is uh, he's, you know, driving the God, around. The godfather of Dad Rock. Yeah. <laughs> Patron saint of Dad Rock. Um, I want like a Don Henley like medal, like a Catholic medal. I'm sure we could get one made for yeah. you. Yeah. Anyway, oh, I'm sure they exist. Anyway, <laughs> he's he's driving in L.A. like you do. Sure. And thinking about one of its divorces. Pulls up next to some dude in like an awesome car, with some hot chick with him. Sure. Uh, I forget Jessica exactly how, with the car. how the exchange starts, but uh, the 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 dude in the other car says something effective like, "Life in the fast lane, man." And so Don Henley takes that and makes a song out of it. Like I'm, I'm assuming there's like a windows down. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Situation. Yeah. There's a, there's a better anecdote there. I don't recall all of it. Just that I he, feel like it's not better. It it's like five to ten percent better. <laughs> wow. Thus thus spake Henley. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's time. <laughs> We read the book The Disaster Artist, My Life Inside the Room, the greatest bad movie ever made by Greg Sestero? Sestero? I don't know. Sestero? I think it's Sestero. S-Dog. And Tom Bissell. 
With a new introduction by James Franco. Which was superfluous. At best. I think that describes most of James Franco's career. His oeuvre. Ugh. Talking about his eggs. I, I like him in uh, Freaks and Geeks. I think because he's supposed to be a douche. Yeah. So he's just like, he's just, he's just putting himself out there versus like trying to be other stuff. Well, he did a good job as Tommy Wiseau because I think he is just a slightly handsomer, less foreign version of Tommy Wiseau, maybe. Yeah. Soci- soci- sociopath. Susu Studio? Yep. I didn't, I, I didn't get my email about those Phil Collins tickets. <laughs> I told you you had to. It's like this, like lottery system, because there's so, so, well, presumably such demand for them. But I don't know who you're gonna take that concert because it's not gonna be me. I'm taking Del Nero. <laughs> Do you remember when we were out there last summer? He talked about going to like a Phil Collins concert in like the '80s. <laughs> I think it was in the '80s. Maybe it was in the '90s. Either way. Amazing. A fellow. Collins, C- Collins file. Phil file. Phil file. I like Phil file. That you do. Yep. Anyway, um, that was a tangent. Most of this is tangents. That's fine. Case is a tangent. Like a fucking math class up in here. Yeah. It's like there's like a circle and then there's this line that's like yeah, so like it's like at one brushing point, up against it's it. Like, yeah. It's like hey there circle, how you doing? How you doing? Exactly. <laughs> Made some serious eye contact. Yeah. It was kind of weird. Yep. <laughs> That's how circles and tangents do, bro. Circles and lines. Mm. So this is a memoir by Greg Sestero and a professional writer, I'm assuming, um, about the making of the room, which if you haven't seen, like. Why are you listening to this podcast that's about a book that's about that movie? Which is now also a movie. Is. Um, I'm not going to be satisfied until there's a book about the making of the movie about the book about the making of the movie. Okay. I mean, it's only a matter of time, I guess. my next project um so i guess the book kind of goes like every other chapter is a kind of like a chronological story of how greg sestero i'm just gonna call him greg yes dog how greg met tommy Wiseau and like um because their relationship as it led up to before during and after the making of the movie and then it alternates with chapters about the production of the room, um, which is kind of fun, because like sometimes reading the anecdotes about like during the making of the room is a little bit intense and hard to read. Yeah, yeah. And then it kind of goes back, and it's like three years earlier. It's an effective uh, literary device. Mm-hmm. Speaking of beards. Uh, I was a little disappointed that um, the uh, Greg being forced to shave his beard storyline was a little less dramatic in the uh, 
in real life than it was in the movie. Yeah. No, I sort of expected there to be... I'm not entirely sure why they played that up in the film. I think it was just kind of supposed to be an example of how... It's how Tommy doesn't give a fuck about Greg's life slash career. Right. He doesn't but... want him to succeed in any way without him and is willing to be a horrible shitty friend slash person. Because it's a good example of that. But... <clears throat> Yeah. yeah, so the movie obviously kind of, like, condenses stuff and, like, you know, it's not word for word. And this is a memoir, too, so it's selective pieces of the story. Um, but if you don't know the story for some fucking reason, um, Greg was, like, a 19-year-old kid in San Francisco in... The late 90s and he wanted to be an actor so he was taking acting classes and he met Tommy Wiseau there who uh, is a mysterious man international man of mystery he's was probably in his 40s by then uh, is clearly from Eastern Europe but we'll say that he's from New Orleans he has big easy bro thick accent um, it's Cajun. Raging Cajun, man. Uh -huh. So franche. Exactly. And um, is just a ridiculous person and also wants to be an actor but is not good at acting. But he is good at, like, really committing to making a scene. He's, he, has, he has a certain magnetism. And so Greg is, I guess, kind of charmed by his, like... Charisma. Charisma. Uniqueness. Nerve. Talent. Also talent. His ability to just kind of, like, not care what people think and just, like, get up there and, like, be passionate or something. So they start doing scenes together for their acting class and... They become kind of weird friends, but Tommy's all mysterious and is like, don't talk about me to people. Um, and then eventually Greg moves to L.A. to pursue acting and Tommy lets him live in his apartment there. And he has like a little bit of some success, but not a lot. Maybe that one like vampire movie or whatever. Oh, the, um, the Puppet Master like prequel? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then eventually Tommy decides he wants to pursue acting too and moves down there into the living room. And then eventually decides to um, write his own movie because no one wants to cast him in movies. Because he's bad at acting and weird. Kind of creepy. Bad at life in general. Like, apparently not bad at making money. Tell the dollar bills, y'all. Um, and then he writes The Room and um, fucking makes that movie and it's really bad. Yeah, but he's made probably insane amounts of money off of that. Yeah, at this point. But not because it was critically acclaimed or that, like it was a, a hit. Doesn't matter, man. Well, yeah, no, eventually. I mean, Bank it, account doesn't care. Mm -mm. Still spends the same. Other, you know, trite phrases about money. About money? Yep. 
I just want to talk about some of your favorite parts of the book. Sure. Am I, am I just leading off with something? Yeah, give me one. Give okay. me um, Give me it. The James Dean thing I find weirdly fascinating. Oh, uh, like Tommy's obsession with James Dean? Tommy's obsession with, and, well, and Greg has an interest in it as well, and then they go on that like road trip to the <coughs> the spot of the James Dean crash. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's in the movie, too. And then the thing about the, the you're tearing me apart line coming from Rebel Without a Cause, essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, don't they, they go to the, like, observatory where the knife fight mm-hmm. is? Well, yeah, uh, there's a picture in here from... Yeah. Where they, like, reenacted that the movie, knife fight and made I, a stranger take photos. Have you seen that movie? No. It's I've never weird. seen any James Dean movies. I know there's only, like, three, but... And that it feels like, I don't know, it felt really anticlimactic when I saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh... It's sort of weird, too, I guess, because it's, like, James Dean, who dies super young, and uh, Natalie Woods in that, who dies under, like, mysterious circumstances mm-hmm. later on. I think Salminio died young as well. He's, like... I don't know. James Dean's friend in that movie, who was, like... I think in real life was maybe also gay, but there's, like, a pretty hard vibe, which I feel like was probably not what they were going for, uh, but... It's a weird movie. Listen. Because it's supposed to be this, like, iconic, you know, teenage angst rebellion movie. Yeah. But James Dean looks like he's, like, 30 in it, even though obviously he's not. But it's just like, I was like, he's not. He died when he was, like, 25 And there's this weird thing. There's this weird scene where, like, his mom is sick and his dad is, like, bringing her food and he's wearing an apron. Mm -hmm. And, like, the James Dean character is, like, freaking out about it. And there's this weird, like emasculation undertone thing it's problematic on okay. a number of levels anyway it seems like a weird thing to latch on to i think his legend is sort of odd to me too because like i saw that i feel like i saw parts of east of eden and giant which are like the three um and uh i don't know i didn't really see him as being that special but maybe i didn't watch them enough times or something but I feel like he's one of those dudes that, like, would have been unremarkable had he not died young. He just happened to, you know, die at the right time, I guess, yeah. so to speak. Uh, but that just seems like the, the, like, perfect, you know, teenage person to be obsessed with. Yeah, no, it makes sense <coughs> that Greg would. Yeah, for Greg. For, for Tommy, it's a little bit weirder, but it's also, yeah. I don't know sign of his naivete he's de- de- tommy's got there's a lot of emotional I, I would say arrested development yeah yeah um but and also in other ways is kind of a master manipulator when he wants to be although it kind of seems like greg usually knows when he's being manipulated and he just lets him do it yeah I mean, he also has, I guess, the benefit of hindsight when he's writing it, too. So sure. So can, you know, make yeah. it look like it was more aware and more conscious than he was at the time. That's true. Probably, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's just because it feels like... if It's pretty early. I don't know. 75 is the page I have marked for, I think, when the trip trip happens. But it seems like it's one of those, you know, Tommy is a free spirit. I would never have done this without him kind of moments where it mm-hmm. seems like the good part of their relationship... Where it was like early and Greg was very like I don't know, just kind of tentative and didn't know how to go about doing what he wanted to do and so Tommy was kind of getting him out of his shell a little bit. Yeah. And so it seemed like that was sort of a good moment 
versus like the stuff that happens later yeah well and like greg's family especially his mom were like really not supportive of him pursuing acting yeah um which like made him feel bad um but then tommy like came around and like really encouraged him and stuff I will say I was a little disappointed to find out that the first time they went to play ball in the park it was not football it was soccer but then in the room it's football so I guess maybe they just simplified it by doing that yeah but Tommy is not good at either sport I guess football is more all-american yeah I know what do you got um well I didn't make any notes Underprepared as usual. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, I love that Tommy's always like pounding energy drinks and like stays up all night. He's a red a Red Bull man, yes. Yeah. As I recall. Also back then Red Bull was kind of the only one around. Yeah, I guess there wasn't as much diversity of uh, energy drink options. Mm-hmm. Well and I think it's kind of a perfect example of just like Tommy being bad and making a movie, which he was in a miraculous way. Um, but all along, he wanted Greg to play Johnny's best friend, Mark, in the room. And Greg was like, no, I don't want to be in this movie, but I'll help you make it. So he's supposed to be the line producer. So they cast somebody else, but then basically... Um, Tommy keeps giving him shit about it and like wants him to be in the movie and basically he offers him a shit ton of money and a new car and like Greg's broke like a broke struggling actor and so he feels like he can't not do it yeah but then they don't he doesn't fire the other actor he just like starts filming like both of them doing the scenes well and he says you know the producers want to see this when they're obviously like no actual producers right he's the producers yeah yeah and like basically just kind of forces the dude out in the most awkward way possible like yeah no it's a a super passive aggressive way to get rid of the dude he won't fire him and he won't let greg tell him what's happening and it's really uncomfortable and fucked up for everyone um, so basically, he, he he pulls a Trump on that one. Like he won't actually fire the person he wants to fire. Trumped him hard. Won't do it to his face. I I assume Tommy Wiseau has a Twitter account. I believe he does. I feel like he wouldn't be very good at Twitter though. I guess I didn't realize any of the. I mean, he uses it. I guess as sort of a, a framing device to like, uh, <coughs> uh like talented Mr. Ripley stuff. Mm. Which I didn't realize was sort of like inspiration parallel kind of thing. That it was, I don't know, that they saw it together and Tommy was like talking about raving about how like awesome a movie it is. And it's mm. just this weird sort of like kind of reflection of their lives. And then he just kind of like rips off large portions of it. Yeah. For, uh, for the room itself. Um, which, I mean, obviously makes a lot of sense as Greg sort of goes through and breaks it down and talks about it, which kind of made me want to see it, but I feel like I heard not great stuff about it, but uh, I don't know. It's a Matt Damon movie, so. It's got, like, primary Jude Law in it. Oh, yeah. 
Beautiful golden boy. I really like him when he's sort of forcing an American accent. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I didn't know anything about that, which I thought was sort of yeah. interesting and also probably really uncomfortable when like he's watching it for the first time, when Greg is watching it for the first time and sees like all the creepy parallels. Well, yeah, because I think his friend took him to the movie and was like, dude, that guy's Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's going to beat you to death. Has, hasn't happened yet, as far as we know. Not yet. I feel like we'd found out. Unless it's like Ghost of Greg, or they get like a Greg double. Oh, I also love that one of Greg's uh, uh, biggest breaks in acting was a non-speaking role in Patch Adams. Oh, uh-huh, Patch Adams, which I saw, which is oh, unfortunate. I saw, and it was bad. Robin Williams, man. Unfortunate career choices. Yeah. Well, and a lot of this stuff is, like, it feels repetitive because it made it into the movie. So I'm, like, which I saw twice. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that Tommy found this, like, cheap movie theater to, to play The Room at for two weeks. Because it has to play in a theater for two weeks to submit it for the Academy Awards. I mean, it was kind of a shoe-in for awards, I thought. but Yeah. Well, yeah, just that he had, like, apparently... Uh, infinite resources to sink into this thing. Well, and that like billboard that was up forever mm-hmm. promoting the movie. Uh, which I guess, I mean, if you're going to make a vanity project, you might as well go all in. If he's yeah. got the money, but. Yeah, but it's unclear how he actually made his money. He's got that street fashions company, but like. I can't imagine that was a, you know booming business necessarily. I don't know. He owns that like water like waterfront building in San Francisco or whatever. The one that's got the view of Alcatraz. Yeah. That they shot things on the roof that they then used for green sc- green screen for the fake roof in the room. Mm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Tommy. It's just kind of um well, we talked about this a little bit. Like, it just makes me kind of sad that Greg is still friends with Tommy. Like, it, in the movie, The Disaster Artist, and kind of in this in this memoir too, it's kind of like seen as like a sort of sweet, like we support each other friendship. But also, Tommy does some really fucked up shit to him. Yeah. And other people. Like, when he gets jealous, because, well, first of all, a friend of Greg's from the Bay Area, like, apparently saw or talked to Tommy and, like, asked him all the questions he's not supposed to ask him, like, how old are you? Where are you really from? Yeah. And that pissed him off. And then, like, a neighbor came by the apartment and Tommy got upset because he doesn't want Greg to have other friends, basically. And then, like, told him to get in the car and start driving him around really fast and, like, yelling at him and telling him he's going to have to move out and stuff. I mean, it's, a, it's an abusive relationship without physical violence, I suppose. Yeah. But, it's fucked up, though. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think other than those sort of positive early getting him out of his shell moments, it seems like, I don't know... I sort of wonder what Greg gets out of it to a certain degree, but 
Right. I mean, also, it's, you know, probably the only reason he's able to do any other stuff is yeah. because of this. Well, yeah, and I heard, um, I listened when he was on, when Greg was on, um, <coughs> the, how did this get made? About yeah. uh, when the book was coming out. So they, they did ha- an episode of How Did This Get Made about the room, and he was on there. And he talked about, yeah, about how, like, once the room became kind of like a cult hit and they started doing showings and stuff, like, he got enough money from doing that and doing, like, appearances at, like, film festivals and, like, stuff that he was able to do, like, a bunch of traveling in Europe and stuff. And, like, he never could have afforded that otherwise because it's not like he's been, it's not like he has an acting career now. Sure, 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 sure. Um... Well, I would imagine with this book probably sold okay anyway, but then after the film, yeah, I'm sure yeah. it sold a lot of copies, so he's probably doing okay off of that, too. And it's a good book. Yeah, no, I mean, it's I really well, it's well it. written. It's compelling. Well, and even having seen the movie that's based on it a couple well, times, like, there's still plenty of stuff that, um, you know, I didn't know. Or, and it's just it's just compelling to hear it from Greg's point of view. Yeah. Well, yeah, rather than just seeing it on screen in the neutral kind of way, I suppose. Like, ten, ten years after the movie came out, like, how, what he remembers and stuff. Yeah. And I th- <coughs> think also in that How Did This Get Made interview, he talked about how he was keeping, like, pretty good journals at the time. Yeah. Because he wanted to remember what it was like because it was just insane every day on set. Tommy show up like four hours late and like refused to get air conditioning. Wouldn't, wouldn't let people drink water. And like berate everyone. And then like when it was time for one of his scenes, he like could not remember any lines, even though he wrote the script. And if they tried to like change any lines like slightly to make them sound more like a natural like native English speaker would say it, he'd like get mad. That's one of that's one of the the comments I have or the notes I have written down when uh, Greg is talking about the uh, leave your stupid comments in your pocket line, <laughs> and he calls it a violation of language itself, which I <laughs> I really appreciate. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, being a, a weird sort of hardliner about like sticking to this, but then not letting anyone see the entire script. Like they would get little yeah. chunks here and there of like stuff they were in. But not even people not even really understanding how everything sort of fit together. Because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like when they talked about him working with that editor and the editor getting upset, being like, like trying to create continuity and stuff, and Tommy just being like, "No, this is the way I want it." Well, and there being <clears throat> a number of moments where, like, you know, sensically, you would film all the scenes on one set at one time and then move on to the next set. Right. And, like, he doesn't do that at various moments. Like, wants to come back and film something at this, you know, the alley set or the rooftop or whatever the case might the be. The fake rooftop? Like, after you've done it. It's like, dude, no. Like, we already tore right. that down. We don't have to rebuild it. Right. And it's, like, such a waste of money because they have to, like, pay people to put it back together. Right, right, right. Yeah. And the fact that they went through, like, multiple sets of crew like 
No, I mean, you have to have you have to be very very patient. Yeah. To work on something like this, which I mean, I guess as long as you're getting paid. Yeah. You know, it sort of depends, but I feel like you get you ultimately end up with like the mercenaries versus the people who I don't know have a love for making movies maybe or want it to be good versus people who just want to keep it going so they can get paid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean there's like I remember there's in the movie I don't remember if it's who it happened to in real life, but there's the Sandy character who's like the script supervisor who basically is like the one who actually ends up directing a lot of the scenes, especially the ones Tommy's in. Yeah. It's the like Seth Rogen character. He um like goes to cash his first check and he's like he doesn't even think it's gonna like go through because it's like clearly a Mickey Mouse operation. Sure, sure, sure. And sure. then the bank teller who really shouldn't say things like that says it is like a bottomless pit in that account. Yeah. So yeah, at a certain point it's like if I mean if you're willing to waste your money on what is clearly a disaster. What I like how I mean they they emphasize it in the the movie as well, but the like ridiculousness of him buying equipment versus renting equipment mm-hmm. and then insisting on shooting it in like both formats. Yeah. Uh, for no reason. It's like you're spending like hundreds of thousands of dollars on these cameras. Like, mm-hmm. you know, major directors don't even do this. Major right. studios don't even do this. Right. It's cost prohibitive and it like, like probably, I don't know how, how frequently the technology changes in like. I would think often cameras. enough that you don't want to sink, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars into cameras that might be out of date in like five years or yeah. something like that. But. I mean, I assume now they shoot everything digital, probably. Yeah. But, uh... Well, and it's crazy how, like, Tommy has unlimited financial resources, apparently. But he's also, like, a massive cheapskate. And, like... And you can tell from, like, the way that the movie looks. Like, the set is... He just, like, went by some, like... Like, furniture or home decor store and, like... Just bought the entire room. Yeah. To decorate the room. And that, like, and there was, like, no money for costumes. It was just, like, stuff from thrift stores and whatnot. Uh, and, like, as, like, a professional, you know, I'm sure, like, a, a costume designer or, like, a set design person, like, would drive you fucking nuts if they weren't giving you any money. Yeah. Like... One, this is probably true for everybody who worked on the film. Like, everybody wants work. And especially, you know, the actors want to be in movies. Yeah. And this is an opportunity, but it's also, like, it's so shitty, you're not sure you want your name on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's better than nothing, I suppose. It shows that you're working, you're making a little bit of money. You know, someone but, might see it and think, well, this is a disaster, but, is but that person was okay. Well, we all know that the greatest actor in it was the guy who played Chris R., like monster that's hardcore hardcore i do think it's interesting like later in the near the end of the book greg kind of tells tommy's life story as he's kind of been able to piece it together from yeah. like, offhand comments and stuff <coughs> um which i think is kind of interesting that he like came to the u.s via france but there's a lot of clearly missing information 
Um, and he doesn't really know what to believe about it, but... That's what happens when you don't secure your borders, man. Yeah. But there's a, a certain kind of, like... Uh, it's kind of quaint the way that, like... I guess Tommy is this, like, person who grew up in, like, an Eastern Bloc country, probably. Yeah. And then, like, came to, like, fall in love with America via, like, movies and... Um, so he has this huge rosy look, rosy look, rosy view of what America is or, or should be. And then like, I don't, and so in some ways it's like, well, I mean, I guess he is kind of fulfilling the American dream over there, even though he's a weirdo that no one likes. That was one of the moments that I wrote down his, uh, like post 9-11 patriotism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He made them uh, do on like the anniversary they were filming, and he made them. He made them do like a moment of silence. I just have my notes where he he he's talking about Bin Laden, and he calls him uh, Mr. Dickhead Osama, and then uh, asshole motherfucker piece of shit also, <laughs> which I appreciated. And then apparent if I'm remembering that scene correctly, he like r- leaves the room chanting USA on the way out. Well, and he so he makes them do like a moment of silence, but then somebody started giggling because it was so ridiculous that he was like, he made them do five more minutes, and then somebody else giggled, and he was like, five more minutes, and so like they, they all had to like hold it together for like ten minutes, but it was just like absurd that he was making them do this. Um, and as someone who used to go to church, let me tell you. When you've got the giggles, but it's a very serious moment, it's rough. It's rough stuff. Feel for you, bro. You're not supposed to laugh during the prayer. Whatever. God would want you to laugh. It's just yeah. the, jo- the joy of your belief. Maybe. Maybe. It comes up a couple times, but the idea of uh, Tommy maybe being the Zodiac killer, <laughs> I really liked also. I don't think he's quite old enough probably but maybe he is well zodiac is what late 60s it starts yeah and then yes that's probably a little bit old for him potentially but i don't know maybe he's the uh golden state killer (laughs) maybe it's possible i think that's still too early for most of them i don't think he was in the u.s quite yet that you know of. Just turned to a random page, seeing that Tommy had a Jim Morrison poster. I was about to mention that. <laughs> I told you that story about the time I went down to uh, visit Miami University my senior year when I was like looking oh, at when schools. You visited your sister? I visited, well, my sister wasn't going there anymore. Oh, but okay. We visited some of her, I stayed with some of her old friends uh, and like came in the front door, and the first thing you saw in the living room was like a subway size. Uh, Jim Morrison poster the one, I think it's that one well the American Poet one I think is the one where it's like him doing the sort of like Jesus pose and mm-hmm. it cuts off like there on his arms mm-hmm. this was one where he was uh, standing shirtless in the leather pants and it had like the like many arms of Vishnu kind of thing happening sure of course <coughs> which is pretty awful uh, that was the night uh, we smoked up as a group and then um, I uh <coughs> it was one of the first times I ever smoked 
And so I just got like superhuman vision. <laughs> and everything seemed like it was happening in incredible detail. And then I just like chain drank Cokes and we watched like a softcore porn. <laughs> it's weird. It was weird. It was a weird situation. Speaking of softcore porn, the room. And I love how we talked about like they cut the original love scene footage in half and it's still uncomfortably long uncomfortably long and happens like less than 10 minutes into the film just setting the tone and his butt is all up in there and that poor girl showing her boobs wow what is happening? Just a little, little sad horn for you. Sorry if I'm making a lot of rustling noises. I switched to the other side of the couch. Typical. I know. Couch flipper. I just like all the stuff that, like, what must it be like to be Tommy Wiseau? Like, it's an experience. To, I mean, there's some parts where it's, like, really kind of sad. Like, he clearly doesn't really have friends. He doesn't have family he doesn't really have yeah he doesn't really have people in his life um people think he's weird but on the other hand he also just has like all this unearned confidence and like even when he's making this movie and people are telling him like the scene you just added doesn't make sense or why can't i say it this way that makes like that would just be better or it makes more sense or like you're doing this wrong that's not what people do he's just like full of unshakable confidence in his own ideas and his own vision which i guess is part of the reason why the room is so amazing is because it's made with such sincerity like they weren't trying to make a bad movie he was trying to make a great movie uh, it's, it's great it's great in its own way but what must it feel like to be you know, not racked with uh, self-doubt, I guess. i asking the wrong person. I, I just imagine that it, ask, it must be nice. Ask Vern. Oh, Vern's our little sheep. <laughs> uh, she's filled with anxiety, though, so she doesn't know. Bernie. Anxious sheep. Anxious sheep. Sorry, is microphone shy? She's just snuggling with me. I do think that it's really fascinating how, at the time of writing this, Greg had known Tommy for like 15 years or something and um, still doesn't know exactly how old he is or where he's from or how he, he makes money or any of those basic things. Yeah. Um, and like Greg is apparently his closest friend I just, I just hope Greg has other people in his life he seems like a relatively well adjusted person I'm sure he does yeah. I just don't I feel it makes me feel sad to think about him still hanging out with Tommy all the time <coughs> and like working with him on things I just feel like that the room was lightning in a bottle you know you can't recapture that magic um 
I mean, I at least they haven't tried to make like the room two ghost of tommy <laughs> oh man talking about filming the suicide scene sounds excruciating oh yeah what's that um can you look on uh, a 237 paragraph two i have a note about the uh amazing uh reviewer's description of the suicide scene um Johnny's death sequence, quote, is effectively a teenage boy's self-pitying fantasy of how if he killed himself, everyone would regret how mean they had been to him. Yeah, which seems 100% accurate. Yeah. <laughs> that it's like over-the-top, like, cry-for-help garbage. Well, and he's so, he's just so clearly, like, doesn't, and I don't, I don't think that he's any kind of psychopath, but I do think he's emotionally stunted in some way. And I don't exactly know in what way. All the ways, probably. But he, yeah, in some ways he's like really weirdly immature and naive. And, uh, yeah, it's like he's got this whole, yeah, his view of the world is kind of just like of, of like a teen. Like in how he thinks of like what women are really like and how he writes female characters. <coughs> they just like go shopping and then gossip and like try to ruin men's lives and get money out of them to be fair i mean that's that's how women are i mean it's how i am have you met women oh i've met women yeah you have i'm conniving af seriously i'm constantly tearing you apart shrew shrew baka <laughs> that was pretty good that's not that's not a good chew either no but shrew baka is good it's a good one I mean, it's no Spiro Nagnu. The honey monster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this book was a delight. I enjoyed it once I, when I actually sat down to read it. I've been neglecting my book reading. Um, Tommy is unstable. And I wouldn't want to spend any time with him, ever. I would, I would be curious to, like, meet him. I feel like he'd be so awkward. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm a fantastically well-adjusted person, so... Especially in, like, social situations, sure. I'm always, like, just out there. I'm just putting mm -hmm. myself out there. Oh my god, stop being so extroverted. Chatterbox. Other kinds of boxes. Yep. It's me. Shipping box? Yep. Jack in the box? Not Jack in the box. You're not? Yep. No. Yep. Too much activity? Also food poisoning. Because <laughs> it's, like, it's like the restaurant. Yeah, no, I get it. They had an E. coli thing, it. I think. I get it. Any parting thoughts on the disaster artist? Enjoyed it. It's a good read. Yeah, it's a good read. You guys should read. It's not very long either. It's like two sixty or something. It's it like, reads really quickly too. Yeah. A yes. page a page turner, if you will. Yeah. You you'll turn the pages if you're reading it, unless you're reading it on like a Kindle or something, in which case you scroll. I don't know. Scroll it or push a button or something. I yeah. How I those work? I don't. I'm not familiar with how they work, but I think you scroll. Disaster artist. Boom. Boom. Um, we have chosen a next book, 
which is going to be a disaster in a different way, I think, uh, will be reading The Satanic Bible by Anton LaVey, who, according to this intro, is called the Black Pope by many of his followers, which racist. Black Pope. Um, Young Pope. Old Pope. <laughs> copyright pope. 1969. Hello. Nice. Yeah, I expect it to be trash i mean i've read traditional christian scriptures and um yeah i i look forward to this i also look forward to like the last the second half of this book which is apparently just like really short paragraphs that something called keys okay I, I I don't I don't really know. Um, find out. But we're gonna find out. The we're day gonna, has come. We're gonna read it and we're gonna open the door to evil, probably. Maybe. Maybe. I mean I don't believe in Satan. I'm just gonna say that. But maybe this book will change my mind. Satan believes in you. I hope so. Maybe. I mean it would really boost my confidence if he did. So that'll be for next time. The Satanic Bible, which um, hopefully I will be more efficient with my time. And it won't so be like so long. July? Yeah, it's yeah, going to be like next year, probably. Cool, cool. We welcome your feedback? Question mark? Um, just, you know, engage with our hashtag content. You can email us at couplesbookclubcast at gmail.com. We have a website, couplesbookclub.blog. Um, or we also are on Facebook as Couples Book Club. And um, you can rate and review and subscribe on all your places that you listen. <laughs> you crave feedback. You need the My approval of others. Friend. Yeah, I do. I Typical. do need the approval of others. Typical. Why do you think I'm making a fucking podcast? Band for project. not attention? Yep. <laughs> it's because I think I'm fucking funny. It's through the book. That's, that's rude. Well, it was Satan's book, so if Satan uh, comes for me, it's because I threw his book and also said it was going to be shitty. I feel like maybe you're supposed to put that on the ground. Maybe. Versus like... You're supposed to burn it? Yeah. I guess we'll find out what the little tenets of uh, Satanism are. Tenets. Tenets? Yep. Yes. Yeah, just saying the words. Or, word. or tenants, people who live inside of Satanism. Yep. God, what kind of shitty landlord does Satan have to be? <laughs> Literally the worst. Yeah. That's what the bad place is. It's just like... Just poorly maintained apartments. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Your neighbors are like the worst purse people you could think of. They're just like noisy assholes. Like there's like a leak in the ceiling and the hot water doesn't work and you just like keep calling. He's like, oh yeah, 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 I'll come by tomorrow. Yeah. He's like, yeah, no, I fixed the dryer. And then you go and you put your wet clothes in there and they just never dry. You keep putting quarters in there. There's like an ex-con handyman who like when he comes to check stuff, just like some of your shit goes missing <laughs> and the thing doesn't get fixed. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Satan. Uh, Snake came by today and the leak is possibly worse than it was before. <laughs> um, also, I my stereo is missing. 
Also, the sacrificial goats out back are... They're pretty loud. I mean, I don't... Well, they just, like, they ate a patch in the lawn, and it just, it's, it looks bad. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not huge on that, but it's just, like, come on. And, like, have you... I mean, I know I asked you if you could talk to the guys in, in, in number 10. They, I've talked to them, but they just don't ever not listen to Nickelback really loud. Well, but they do this thing where uh, they have, like, dueling CD players. Mm-hmm. And so they start it on one CD player, and then they start it, like, 10 seconds later on the other one. So it's, like, this round of shittiness. <laughs> I mean, that'd be an effective bad place. Be a good hell. That's what it's like in Satan's apartment building. Yep. Don't he move always, there, guys. Like, you you write him the rent check, and, like, he doesn't cash it right away. Mm. And so it's just mm-hmm. kind of sitting there, and then he cashes it at, like, the worst moment for you, so you mm-hmm. always, like, overdraw. And you're just like, Satan. <laughs> I mean, I give it to you on the first of the month. I assume you'll have it deposited within, like, yeah. a couple yeah. days. Yeah. Like, that's just a courtesy. Like why you gotta why you gotta do me like that, man? And also, also I think I've I've talked to you that that Hitler keeps coming to he keeps going door to door handing out pamphlets, and I just I've told him to go away, and I just feel like I shouldn't have to be solicited by by my neighbors like that. It's really appreciated if you could. I mean, he's really excited about you know what he's what he's you know. I appreciate his enthusiasm, I sure. guess. The message I'm not really on board with, <laughs> as such, but you know. I mean, have you read any of it? Um, it's not good. It's not good. It's not like good writing. it's like mind mind comp as like a like a chick tract. Yes. He drew the cartoons. Yep. Oh, those exist. Like un, like unironic, uh, Nazi, uh, like cartoon booklets, probably. Lil Hitler. Lil Hitler. Lil <laughs> Dolph. Uh, Hitler Union, little little, little Addy. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay, let's be done now. Okay. All right. You good with being done? I'm just getting started on this uh, satanic landlord thing. Well, this, this is a sketch idea. Is okay. what it is. It actually is. I yeah. just cut it out so no one steals my idea. All right. All right. Um, until we... next time. Um, may the Dark Lord be with you. And also with you. Ha, ha, ha.